Well, hey, good morning, Crossroads family. How's it going today? All right, awesome. A lot of energy over here. I love that. Uh, my name's Ross, and I serve as one of the elders here at Crossroads, and we are in week two of the series on mission. And last week, uh, we looked at how we can be on mission in our whole lives. And we had the whole life pie and the pathway, and you guys ate pies on the way out. And this is kind of where we landed. If you can look up here, you can see, if you can think about your passions, experiences, gifts, and talents, and your specific placement where God has put you, and then every area of your life, how do you point yourself towards what God is doing? His mission is to reconcile all things to himself in Christ, It's to bring shalom. We talked about this idea of shalom city being the place in the context where heaven and earth collide. And it reminds me of my three-year-old when he prays, he sometimes prays that it would be in Evansville as it is in heaven. And so it's his, uh, his modification to the Lord's prayer. And we want him to know that he is in Evansville and he is part of what God's doing and he can do that in his whole life. And so this morning we're looking at work what we do with our paid, unpaid, retired, uh, stay-at-home parent, maybe you're a student in school, that's what you do with the majority of your time, that work part of your life. And we're gonna shine a spotlight on it because we know that we can bring flourishing and it can become something that we do for God's mission. But before we dive into that and we hear from these brothers and sisters up here and their journey, I just want us to maybe broaden the definition we have of a word we use a lot especially if you're in church a lot. And it's the word ministry. What comes to mind when you hear the word ministry? I think you probably think of things that are like sharing your faith and meeting somebody's spiritual needs. And I think that is exactly right. But I want us to expand it like this. Ministry is commissioned work, meaning that it's given by God, that serves his mission to reconcile all things in Christ. Commissioned work given by God that serves his mission to reconcile all things in Christ. And actually, if you look through the New Testament, there's about a hundred times the word diakonos or its verb is used to describe the word ministry. And it is often used as service or ministry. And it has varied uses. And it's always other-centric. It's always uh, asking that you would give your time, your talents, and your treasures for the benefit of another. And it's not reserved for any specific kind of person, not reserved for a church leader, an apostle, or anything like that. You can actually see people doing everyday kinds of things like serving food, preparing a house for guests that are coming over, providing financial support. It's never self-serving and it's always God-glorifying. People actually ministered to Jesus and he ministered to others. And we know that it says that Timothy ministered to Paul in many ways. He served Paul in many ways. And we know that Timothy didn't evangelize Paul. And so what I want us to do is just broaden the idea that we have in our mind when we hear the word ministry. If you remember last week, we, we reminded each other that we're all actually in full-time ministry no matter what we're doing. And so it should be bringing flourishing. It should be helping people experience life to the full. That's what ministry is about. So when it comes to your work, your work can actually become ministry when one, you recognize that God has prepared this work for you to do in advance. And secondly, that you do it to serve others for God's glory. So this morning, we're gonna be hearing from these people on the stage sharing their journey of how their work becomes ministry and how they've uh, processed through that, prayed through that and learned how that works in their own life. And Andrea Crosland is gonna lead us through that panel. And if you don't know Andrea, she is our missional living lead here at Crossroads. 
And she also works full-time as a consultant, has her own business, and so she is really well-positioned to lead us through this moment. Would you guys help me welcome our brothers and sisters? Okay, thank you, Ross. I am really excited about this panel today because this is a topic that I am really passionate about. If you remember Ross's message from last Sunday, and if you didn't get a chance to see it or you weren't here, I would definitely recommend you go back and catch it because it was really good. But the the crux of that message was that we all have the opportunity to be on mission with God in our whole lives. And that doesn't mean just adding something on, trying to cram something else into our already busy schedule. How am I going to figure out how to fit this thing in? It's really a reframing about things that we're already doing. And sometimes that may not seem intuitive in our work lives, but that's the topic that we're going to explore um, with our brothers and sisters here today. So one really important thing to remember is that God created diversity on purpose. We weren't all gifted with the same gifts, with the same things, but we each have an opportunity to use those gifts as we were uniquely designed to serve God and to serve others. If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 through 6, it tells us there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. As we hear the stories of our panelists today, I hope you'll be struck by the variety of ways that God designed them and then presented them with opportunities to serve. Okay, so first I'd like to introduce Kent Arnholtz. Kent is an engineer, and he works for the Kaskaskia Group, who's, um, who specializes in transportation and environmental services in highway and bridge projects across the Midwest. And Kent is not only a practicing engineer, he also manages um, teams for the firm's offices in Indiana, Illinois, and Minnesota. So Kent, you have a very interesting story, a very long Um, journey that you've been on to understand how to be on mission with God in your work. Can you tell us about that? Sure, Andrea. Good morning, everybody. Um, I want to preface my story by telling you that the the industry that I work in is a pretty secular industry. It revolves around politics and worldly ideals, and there aren't really very many Christians that are part of that. And so setting that as the stage, share with you my story. About 15 years ago, I was working for another consulting firm here in the Evansville area. And I was really struggling to see how the work I was doing was significant in God's eyes. And so I ended up trying to really understand God in the workplace that led me to do my own research on the businesses missions movement that, that is out there. Um, it's better known as BAM. And I attended a number of BAM conferences here in the Midwest. I also took my own personal BAM missions trip to East Africa in 2009. All of that led me, along with a few other reasons, to quit my job and start my own company. Um, And I called it FHG Architectural Salvage, for his glory. 
And so I was learning and working and under, trying to come to a better understanding of what it was, it's like to have God in the workplace through that small company. But cash flow became an issue. And so I ended up going back to work for a larger engineering firm here in the Midwest. That um, job really didn't go so well. And so I, I started to feel like, all right, maybe I need to be looking for something outside of the consulting business. And so I looked at the missions and nonprofit industry, thinking that that was how I could serve God, was to get a job within that, use my skills that I've learned in the consulting business, and do it in the nonprofit space. I applied for jobs and got rejection after rejection. And it just felt like God was closing door after door after door. Well, in a conversation I was having with one of the leaders of actually an engineering missions organization, he told me, you know, you really can do more for God by being a Christian in the secular engineering space than you can going to work for a missions organization. That was a total mind shift for me. About the same time, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who owned her own company and whose values kind of aligned with mine. And so I ended up going to work for her with Gaskaskia in 2013. In that same time frame, a friend of mine here at Crossroads and I started a small business doing architectural salvage here in Evansville. And it was through both of those ventures that I really was able to be on mission with God in my work. And whether that is leading and leading the staff that I have and managing the people, or it was um, putting ex-convicts to work within our architectural salvage business. I was learning how to do my work for his glory. If I guess I've, if there's one thing that, that I'd, I'd suggest you take away, that was a 15-year journey. And it really does take a, sh a shift in mindset. And, you know, so I'd say be patient, but be persistent and listen for God and have him help show what it means to be on mission in your work. That's awesome. I love that story. I never get tired of that story, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Um, can you share with us, when you think about your, your hard skills as an engineer, how do you, how do you think about those skills and, and what that means to use those in service to God? Well, like I said, it took a mind shift for me. Um, and, and really what it comes down to is that I now view God as my boss. It's not just about meeting the specifications or doing the work that, that has been prescribed. I'm 
called to do it with excellence and integrity. And whether that's, and for me, what that looks like is, is that I'm doing my work, um, I'm being responsive, I'm um, keeping my promises, I'm trying to love and pray for my coworkers. And that's really, for me, what it means to be on mission for his glory. Thank you, Kent. Yep. Another thing that I love about Kent's story and listening to Kent and learning from Kent is when I drive down the road, I, like, I'm not going to fall into a sinkhole because people like Kent are living on mission with God in their work. I'm not going to, I'm going to be able to cross the bridge from one side to the other safely. And, and I, I think that we can, it's easy to not think about our work that way, that just being really good at what we do, it not only honors the Lord, but also it pleases the Lord. And so Kent, thank you for the way you, you keep us safe and keep us on the road. And I think that that's, that's a beautiful thing, but it's a, it's a mind shift, right? Thank you. All right. Next up, we're going to hear from Rachel Geiser. Rachel is a career coach at the Evansville campus of the University of Vincennes in adult education. So Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about how you're on mission with God and the work that you do? Yeah. Hello, everybody. Um, so students enroll in our program wanting to earn their high school equivalency diploma. And when they enroll, they have the opportunity to meet with me to discuss next steps and a lot of that times, that looks like assisting students with earning better job opportunities, enrolling in post-secondary education, resume development, finding childcare. Honestly, you name it, whatever our students need, it's kind of my job to figure out, okay, how do we get you, how do we get you there? How do we help you overcome the barriers that are preventing you from succeeding? Um, and I've been able to work with so many different types of people from various backgrounds and various stories. And it has been through those interactions with those students that I have come to see God use my job um, for a bigger purpose than just, this is my source of income in my career. Um, you see, I've come to learn that me assisting our students brings just as much glory to God and the kingdom than a pastor giving a sermon on Sunday or serving in the church or, or any role, that that's my best serve and where he has me. That is me honoring the Lord um, right where I'm at. Thank you, Rachel. I know you've got several stories, and it's always hard to distill down to which ones are the ones that we're going to tell. But can you share a specific time when um, the Holy Spirit was able to work through you and your work uh, in someone's life to help them? Yes, so many stories. Um, but there's one that always sticks out in my mind, and it involves this young girl who— Showed up at our door, she was 17 and pregnant, and um, she had been from program to program, bouncing around the system. Um, her parents neglected her when she was really little, so that's why she was where she was at. Um, but when she got to the age of 18, she had to start figuring out, okay, where am I gonna live? Do I go back home? She tried going back home, but her mother um, refused to let her come back, and she ended up telling her that it would have been better for her um, to be aborted all those years ago when her mother tried. Um, and when one of our instructors heard um, of her telling that story in a classroom, she encouraged this student 
to just sit down and talk with me and hear a little bit about my story um, and maybe visit some opportunities that we could plug her into. Um, so we sit down in my office and she just starts opening up about where she's at. And I just felt led to start sharing um, a little bit about my story and how, you know, my sister had also taken me and my younger siblings in when I was in fifth grade. And um, come to find out, we had walked through a lot of the same tragic, painful traumas when we were kids. Um, the only difference was that I was on the other side of it, right? And she was living in the middle of it. Um, and we left that conversation in tears because she had never realized that, oh, this, this is actually possible for me to live the dream or the future that I have always wanted to because there was someone who was sitting right across the desk that was doing it. Um, and I think the crazy part about this story was that um, God met the both of us in my office space. I didn't expect that conversation to happen. Um, but I, was, I just try to be really intentional in my time and ready for when those moments happen um, because I was able to tell this girl um, that she wasn't a mistake and that she had a purpose in being born um, and she hadn't had anyone tell her those things um, in a really long time. And God used my story of heartbreak to break down the barriers that she had been walking through for so long um, that's probably one of my favorite stories. So, yeah. Oh, thank you, Rachel. I, the thing that I love about Rachel's story is, is that I, I watch how she, she's got this job description. She's got a job, career coach, going to help, help students. But she uses that as a platform. And the platform helps her then spring off of that regular job into being on mission with God in the way that she provides um, messages of value and of hope to the people that she interacts with, that she's able to be led by the Holy Spirit to know, you know, when are those right conversations, but it's, it's a beautiful faithfulness that she brings using where she is as that platform to spring off. So thank you. Thank you for what you do for people in your sphere of influence. That's really awesome. Okay, and finally, we've got my friend Brian Gardner. Brian is in ministry school, and um, during that time, he's paying the bills by being a Lyft and Uber driver. Um, Brian, can you share with us how you've been on mission with God in your work? I'd love to. <clears throat> so I started doing Uber and Lyft uh, when I left Pontiac, Illinois, to go to Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, and go to ministry school. It'd be a great way to earn some extra money and be able to set my own hours. Um, but part of the curriculum of that school was we would have to pray for people as a group and individually three times every month. And I learned quickly that I could take care of my individual prayers for people through my work. I would always pray over my car. I prayed to God for provision and protection and keeping me safe when I go to the unsafe neighborhoods. And somebody at school actually told me that I should actually pray over my back seat and invite Holy Spirit into the car. And that way, whenever a person would come in, they could automatically feel the presence of God in that car. Plus, I'm playing worship music in the car. So the environment was set. A staff member also told me that a good way to cross the chicken line, as he called it, was to utilize the fact that I was in school or in training to 
become a mas- become a pastor as an in, if you will, because we always give a little bit more grace to people who are in training, right? You know, like the cashier at Starbucks who's got the trainee badge on and it's taking forever to get your order. Or that car that's driving really slow in the left lane, but it says student driver on it, you know. So we give those people some grace, right? That's right. Um, Brian, I know you've got a whole bag full of great stories too, but you, can you share a specific one when you were able to see the Holy Spirit at work? Yeah, this, this story's awesome. Uh, a guy, Jeremy, uh, had requested a ride, and when I was sitting in the street waiting for him to get to the car, I could tell as he was walking out that he was had a dejected look on his face. He was limping, kind of grimacing with every step. And when he finally got in the car, he said how he'd been in an accident and he was still healing from it. It was just a couple of days earlier that the accident had happened. And uh, so I kind of felt an urging right then that I need to pray for healing for this guy. Um, but as we go on the ride, and again, worship music is playing, and he starts telling me about something that really made my heart ache, where he's telling how he had just gotten off the phone with his ex-wife, and she was trying to take his sons away from him and keep him from seeing them. So I knew, all right, I definitely got to pray for this guy, but this is going to be a very deep prayer, and it's going to be emotional for both me and him. And in fact, it was. So when we got to Evansville Chiropractic, he started to get out of the car and I said, wait a minute, do you mind if I pray for you real quick? He said, oh yes, that'd be great. So I took his hand and we started praying and I was just speaking life into him and I was telling him, you know, that he was created for a purpose and that purpose included him being a dad and that he and his wife, ex-wife needed to work together regardless of how they felt for themselves and be good parents to their children. You've got to follow up on that story, don't you? Yeah. God is so, so good. Usually I pray for people and I never hear anything else from them. That's where a lot of my stories are. But this time, a couple of week, couple of weeks later, maybe a month, I get a request to pick, a, pick someone up named Jeremy at Hertz. Well, I've had hundreds of Jeremys in my car, so I never make that connection automatically. So... <laughs> I go and I pick this guy up and I don't recognize him from Adam, you know, and this guy's uplifted and in a cheerful mood and he gets in the car and we start to drive away and he goes, Brian, I'm so glad it's you that I got today. He goes, I just, I, I can't thank you enough for praying for me. And I was kind of caught me off guard and I, I said, oh, well, you're, you're welcome. And he, he said, you don't remember me, do you? I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. And he, then he got more specific and he said, I was the guy in the, that was limping and went to Evansville Chiropractic. And, oh, Jeremy, yeah, great. So good to see you. And uh, hey, he just started thanking me. I, I can't count the amount of times all that was, I was taking him home. And before he got out of the car this time, he turned to me and said, Brian, I just can't thank you enough, really. He goes, I know I'm saying it a lot, and it sounds maybe like I'm, but he said, I've never had anybody pray for me outside of church. That's incredible. That's incredible. I love Brian's stories. I wish you could hear all of them, but the the thing that I love about Brian's uh, stories and his work is that it doesn't matter if you're in a transactional role. So maybe you're in a service industry or you're in retail. You're like, okay, well, I'm never going to necessarily see these people again. But you, like, 
you have such an opportunity to influence that you, that you don't even realize the power of that, even though it may be a short interaction or maybe in most cases you never see them again. Sometimes you do, and then you get the blessing of knowing what, what a huge, um, huge impact that you can have on somebody's life. But I would just encourage you, if you're in those transactional roles, take away from Brian's story because he, you can still be bold. You can still take an action that, that maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting you to take. But that's, that's what I've learned from my friend Brian is, is that it's okay to be um, bold in the moment, even if it's somebody that you don't know. So thank you, Brian, for, for everything that you do. What I hope you were able to see from these stories is, is the beautiful diversity in God's creation. God intends for there to be joy and purpose in our work. Please hear this. We were not all gifted in the same way. Our stories are not the same, nor were they intended to be. If we look again at 1 Corinthians 12, now turning to verses 15 through 20, it says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't really belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts in one body. God cares about the work that you do. God cares about what you do in every situation. Students, this is for you. God created you and designed you on purpose for a certain kind of thing that you're on your own voyage to, to find out what that is, run after it and listen to the Lord while you're doing it. The Lord has placed you where you are on purpose. So what do we learn from Kent and from Rachel and from Brian? Being on mission is not something extra that we have to add on. It's just seeing what we are already doing and where we've been placed differently. So be encouraged because you might be doing more than you think already. Reflect this week. Pray this week. Seek to understand how you can be on mission with the Lord in your work. You have a role to play and the harvest is plentiful. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for how each of us have been fearfully and wonderfully and beautifully made in your image. Help us to see our giftedness and how we can use that in unique ways to bring a foretaste of your kingdom to the places that we work. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's thank our friends up here. <laughs>